Awesome. Um, hey, you want to do a one, two, three clap to see if we can, uh, so we can clap time it. Sure. One, two, three clap. Damn it. I messed that up. Are you ready? One, one, two, three, then clap on the four count. But don't say clap. Actually clap. Okay. All right. One, two, three, clap. Let's try one more time and then, then we're done with it. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go three, two, one, clap. That feels better. Okay. All right. Why don't, why don't we say it together? Are you ready? Yep. Three. Three. Two, one. Still missed the clap a little bit. All right, it's close enough. A Broken Toys Studio Production. Broken. That's their girl. Okay, yeah. You've got all the stuff you need except for an intro to the show. Well, then let's take care of that. Specifically, welcome to General Geekery. More specifically, it's a podcast. I'm Ben. I'm Lou. And I don't know, lead in. I don't know why I always leave you holding the bag on that is I just say my <laughs> name and then I sit back. It's so nice just to let you steer the ship. And I just, I'm just sitting here being like, Ooh, what creative and fun thing is he going to say this time? Yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm making noise. I'm just making noise. Maybe it's, I don't know. Do you, I, do you enjoy noise? I, ha- I do. And I have, a, I have a specific noise I really enjoy. And I'm going to jump straight into something that I wanted to say. So I'm actually skipping, uh, Corrections real quick, because I want to talk about the click. We don't clack. have any corrections. So okay, fine. good. We're, we're flawless. Perfect to hear. Done. We're moving through this episode so fast. <laughs> I don't know if there'll be enough content. And this has been, no, sorry. Um, <laughs> here's a sound I really like. Lou, you know me really well. When it comes right. to peripherals uh, for computers, what is the sound uh, that I like so much that I've been in search for for so long? Uh, a nice deep bass in your headphones? Yes. And you know what else I've been looking for? <laughs> he knows what it is. He's just messing with me. Yes. It, it, it's, it's a clicky clack keyboard. Nice. What'd so, you get? Uh, do, can, can, is it out of screen yet? I'm not, I'm not, I can't see what you can see. Are you ready for this? Yes. I'm showing Lou Ooh. my new clicky clack keyboard. Ooh. Straight from Hong Kong. Imported. Nice. Handmade. Um, I like the I like the circular buttons, like the typewriter style it's, buttons. It's a typewriter style buttons, and it has the blue mechanical keys on it. Oh, the blues! So we got the blues. So I'm going to hold this up so you can hear. So you guys can hear. I'm obsessed with clicky clack keyboards, and and my wife is wonderful. And with me doing my uh, my new academic career as like a uh, go get 'em tiger, uh, <laughs> she got me this key, clicky clack keyboard. Uh, so check this out. I want you to listen to this. Ding. 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 So, but here's what you can't hear on the podcast. Are you ready for this, Lou? Yeah. Function F9. Whoa, it lights up. It's got built-in LEDs under each of the keys. Not only that, though, function F9, it scrolls through. That's that's and then it's, it scrolls side to side. Oh, I would never get any work done. Oh, I can't do any of the scrolling ones because I just keep looking. It like distracts me and I keep looking down. But here's the one I do like. So you see that none of the buttons are lit up, right? Right. So we're Watch back to ha- off now. Watch, we're not. Watch what happens when I type. <gasps> oh, 
so it doesn't impact type. every time I type. It does a little impact, like a little, like a like a stone hitting hitting a water surface, and I accidentally just typed in a whole bunch of shit into Trello. Uh, it's like a stone hitting a surface uh, and rippling across tides on my uh, on my keyboard. Uh, it also comes That's with this amazing. nice little wireless mouse, which is like way too fancy and game compatible compatible for me. Right. Um, it's pretty aggressive, but it also is backlit and everything. Anyway. The blue mechanical keys on this, I have enjoyed writing way more than I should. I write people messages for no reason. Right. Uh, I've started commenting on social media posts, which is something I never do, just so I can hear the clicky clacking. A lot of times, I just delete it. <laughs> oh, it's I knew, a monster. I, I knew I would have posted it, so at least I know what it was. So, so you got the blues, which are relatively speaking, you know, uh, as I recall, among among the louder set as opposed to like the browns. Um, when when is the divorce finalized? <laughs> <laughs> the uh no she thinks it's great i think That's the amazing. blues because there's three different grades if i remember of the mechanical keys and yep. i think the blues are the well, loudest more, but yeah more more but loudness wise yeah they're the loud there's three grades and that's I, I as i recall they're in the loudest grade um, and, and it is it's like literally like round keys with like silver around them like in your mind is yeah. everybody listening just think of a classic typewriter that's yeah, what that it looks slap like slap sound of that and that's exactly what it sounds like it makes me it's, it, it, I can't, I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier. I have, I have a keyboard with the Browns because the Browns are kind of in the middle. Um, and it was a compromise to save my marriage. <laughs> and we, I had for, for years, years, I had an old, uh, these were all, these clicky clack keyboards are all inspired by some of the old mechanical keyboards. And in the IBM PS, um, PS2 model keyboards, it had a, a buckling spring and a switch and a whole lever system would come down until it hit a certain point and snap through and the, the spring itself would bend. Right. And then buckle. And when it buckled, it basically the the mechanism gave way. Like the resistance of the spring only works when the spring is being compressed. Once the spring buckles out, like it's like a slinky and it just goes slack and the keyboard slaps down. And it's part of what made that mechanical click and gave you such a very firm resistance up to the point where it triggered and you could feel a key click. Right. Um, they don't do that anymore. They're just, um, it's a, it, it actually, uh, cherry, uh, cherry MX cherry who makes these, um, keys. I think it's a German company. Uh, so all these are MX Browns, MX blues is the line of the button of the keys. You can go look online and see their mechanical diagrams. They, they show you how they work and it's really cool. Um, but I had one of those original IBM model PS2 keyboards for, uh, years. I stole it off of an actual IBM um, <laughs> machine that I had, a Model 55. And it was, I'm pretty sure it was going to end my marriage. And finally, one day, the electronics gave on it, which was already getting hard to find motherboards that would take a PS2 connector, a full size PS2 connector, because everything is USB for a while. You know, like it's been long enough. Um, so it was hard enough to get it to connect to a lot of computers and it never really played nicely with the USB adapters. But then finally one day it, it broke and I was just like, no, I got to get rid of it. Well, um, uh, you know, and I, that might've saved my marriage. So now I run the Browns and it's, it's not as satisfying. I really miss that louder clack. Well, listen, I don't, I don't care uh, uh, about your marriage. Uh, it takes away time from us doing this. You know so, what? Ne- neither do uh, I. So, I really, so, so I'm going to so send, so send you one of these and you know what? You figure it out on your side because this thing is amazing. Um, oh man, I'm so, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for you. 
Um, you can literally hear it throughout the house. I mean, in anywhere in the house, if some, if my window was open and somebody was walking down the street outside my house, they would hear like, click, 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 but now that said, I type way slower than you. So I can imagine sure. at the rate at which you, oh, yeah. a, ver- a, a verified hacker is typing. You're basically the dude in a movie where, uh, for those, uh, for those of you listening, when you watch a movie and you see somebody like speed hacking and they're like typing super, super fast, you're like, no one really types that fast. Lou types that fast. It basically sounds somewhere between um, somewhere between taking a bag of chips and just smashing it and crunching it and blowing the top open and probably something like, um, you know, machine gun fire, um, which is, you know, understandably why my wife does not appreciate it. Uh, so, you know, again, I, I did, I did go back. I bought the blues to try to quiet them down, but I did buy a mechanical clicky clack keyboard. So clearly, clearly I don't care about my marriage. if I'm willing to subject her to that. However, I do care about something else. Well, you know, I already consider myself a winner with this keyboard, but I am also kind of obsessed with winning. So yes. can we find out what happened with the grand landfill? We can, we can, because, um, holy cow. <laughs> this was a good one. Um, as a reminder, this week's uh, Grand Landfill, in celebration of the Coliseum, no, we're branching out. We've, we've gone away from the Grand Canyon for a bit, trying a bunch of different things. Um, and in celebration, because we're both big Lego fans, of the Coliseum being the largest Lego kit to date by piece count, I think also by sheer size, but by piece count for sure, at over 9,000 pieces. We have asked how many two by four Lego bricks would it take to fill the Coliseum? And right. sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm going to get this out of the way right away because you are always so worried about who wins and loses and you're worried about your win lose count. And I honestly couldn't tell you who's ahead, but I'm pretty sure you've won several. I'm pretty sure we're neck and neck. No, I, I haven't really won any. We've both lost and yes. I'm uh, sorry. I'm fidgeting with my headphones because they're, they're losing connection. I'm, oh, we've, no. we've tied. Uh, we've both been so wrong. We don't consider ourselves right at all. Um, I believe I won one by default because I pulled like the $1 move on you. So, uh, so, but this is why (laughs) I get my self worth from the immediate responses of whether or not I win or lose something. I'm a very self-confident person. And I'm I'm here to tell you that, um, this week is not going to be very bracing for you. No, okay. <laughs> you won, but it's a Pyrrhic victory because we were both. Wait, 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 wait. Say, that, say those words again. Pyrrhic victory? No, no, the other ones. You won? Yeah! <laughs> yes! So Ben won. <laughs> and that's it. That's the only reason we do this. So that's been the, general, that's been the uh, Grand Landfill segment. In fact, this has been general geekery. Ben won, like, end on a high note. <laughs> I just walk out of the room, arms raised above my head. I don't even care. I'm gone. Um, <laughs> would you like. To know the actual number. Okay, so uh, I want to know. Uh, so, so remind me what what our guesses were. Our guesses were um, are one billion for me and two point one billion for you. And I actually tried to do some math on that. Yeah, because uh, so, we, so we went over about, it. So we let's talk about, about that for a second. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I talked about my estimate for the size of it, uh, where I said, you know, about uh, I said basically we're, I'm going to treat this like Sanford Stadium. I'm going to say it's a hundred yard field plus there's room for uh, the stands and stuff. And I can't remember exactly how I extrapolated that out, but I said order of magnitude wise, we're talking like a hundred ish meters 
give or take a multiplier. Um, and I can't remember what I thought about tall wise, but I said, it's going to be longer than it is tall, which is true. It is an ellipse. Um, I, I, I can't remember how I got to my number, but it was basically, um, making things as round as possible because right. I didn't want to deal with, you know, actual math arithmetic. Well, and, and, you know, in some sort of self-defense of my own, uh, idiocy and, um, you know, self-deprecating humor aside, uh, I usually, when we go into this, I just, I, I use no actual math. I just go, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Six. <laughs> eight. You mean 8 yeah. billion? Sure. Your sure. sounds better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But no, I usually put absolutely no math into this. What's funny to me is that great minds think alike, and so do ours. Um, yeah, is coincidentally, <laughs> coincidentally, uh, is I was I was thinking, okay, so let's assume that it's like a football field, and I was thinking, well, if a football field's a hundred yards, then this is going to be tack on fifty yards each side for the stands. That's going right. to give you your length. So let's say about two hundred yards, and then. Stadiums are tall, taller than you would think, and the Coliseum's taller than I would assume taller than I'm thinking it's going to be. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking it's going to be bigger than I'm thinking it's going to be. So I'll go ahead and say, use that same metric and say it's also 200. And then I was saying about 100 yards uh, wide because the field is about 100 yards. Sure. So then tack on that same about 50% to each side. And, and that's kind of, and then I used the, the size of the brick that we were using is to, to figure that out. So <laughs> that's where I came into mine. I guess I didn't realize how much people really like seeing lions eat Christians. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I estimated it, it was about the size of Sanford stadium, you know, in terms of attendance and stuff. I think I said, I think I threw out a round number of a hundred thousand people. Turns out it holds about uh, at its, at its maximum capacity, about 80,000. So we wow. were not, we were not far off. Um, the, well, I'll get to some of the other numbers in a minute. Um, but what I found out when I asked, Wolfram Alpha, how many Lego bricks would fit in the Coliseum? I found out that Ole Kirk Christensen founded the Lego group in 1932 and created the first Lego brick in 1947 with manufacturing beginning in 1949. Plus, as we'll recall from the Marianas Trench, it has Wikipedia page traffic. There was a spike in 2015. You really like getting the full picture, don't you? I need to. <laughs> you're, you're, you're running like website traffic demographics on, on, on well, Wikipedia. They're going to hire you. I know it's wiki and free, but they're going to hire you. Remember, this isn't about getting the answer. This is about what does Wolfram Alpha think the answer is? Oh, oh, listen, Alpha, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's 100% about getting the answer. Oh, I don't okay. care about any of the information. It's binary, yes or no. Am I a valuable person or not? And then I move on with my life. Well, we've been doing this all wrong then. <laughs> But we're going to continue to do it wrong because in 2015, as it turns out, and this is in the Wikipedia intro, as of July 2015, 600 billion Lego parts have been produced. In February 2015, Lego replaced Ferrari as brand finance's world's most powerful brand. At what? certain points, investing in Lego sets was more valuable than investing in gold. Dude, and I'm so excited because... Uh, uh, a side note here is I've never really built, like I've built little like Legos with right. kids and stuff, but I've never built legitimate sets and I'm so fascinated by this. And so my wonderful podcast partner here for Christmas bestowed upon me, uh, Luke's land speeder, yes. uh, to start doing some builds. So I may be doing a little side channel work on Ben builds on these Legos. I am so fascinated, but I didn't realize that you weren't just giving me a gift that you were giving me money. Yeah. So like mint inbox actually you can build them and, and they're still worth money but 
Um, oh, I'm using the craggle. Oh, nice. Uh, so, okay. Again, that doesn't answer the question though. Like, right, so right, back right. on, back to it. Um, it wouldn't tell me how many Lego bri- bricks fit in the Coliseum, and we'll get to why. Uh, so I said, okay, we have Lego bricks and we have Coliseum. So let's start with Lego bricks. I asked it, what is the volume of a two by four Lego brick? And it told me several things about it, including the volume of a two by four Lego brick as six centimeters cubed. I was like, okay, is it guessing? So I said, give me the volume of a two by two Lego brick. It was about half. Start going through some other stuff. It's actually calculating the volume of a Lego brick by the number of pips. And I, I literally wrote in the question box, volume of a two X four Lego brick, you know, the letter X used for multiplication and it, and it, it figured it out. So it could do it by pip. However, there was a problem. Length 32 millimeters, about right. Width 60 millimeters, that's right. Height 11 millimeters. The height of a Lego brick is usually given as 9.6 millimeters. Not 11. It would be closer to the height of the brick and pip plus a little extra. Right, because it's basically taking the height of the pip and filling out the rest of it as if it was just a regular size thing. Right. So these are bricks that don't interlock. Um, and I'm going to say the point of Wolfram Alpha of asking Wolfram Alpha these questions is to see what it would think, because we could go into our, you know, like, are we locking all these bricks? Are they interlocked? Are they just dumped in? Or do we have to do packing? And we're not, you know what? These are all great questions. They would be very entertaining for someone smart to address, but we're not smart. So we're just, so, so I do have this. uh, So (laughs) we're not smart, but so I'm about to flaunt that. So wouldn't it be more accurate? I think Wolfram Alpha is wrong on this. Wouldn't it be more accurate to take the pip off and not even count the pip? Because by itself, yes, it has that volume. But once you insert it into the other one, (laughs) once you do that, you've now lost that because it's been absorbed into the other one. And we've already accounted for the size of the second brick that it's going into. Essentially, that the pip size gets lost. So we don't need the pip pip size. Uh, Pip squeak. We don't need the pip squeak. Is we just need the, the pip size. But then it begs the question, are we filling the Coliseum haphazardly like is a right. is a big is a big helicopter dumping a ton of lego bricks in there or are they being put together and fitting accordingly exactly and you know that's the difference between like say packing and and actually building things and also are you building the coliseum the bricks are all rectangular the coliseum is an ellipse are you going to cut the bricks off like how do you work that so we're just going to take the volume as standard and we're going to divide it into the coliseum because again we're really concerned about what wolfram alpha tells us this is really kind of a journey through a computational engine that's designed for like really smart people to see how badly we can abuse it. Um, so that's where we're going we're to run with six uh, centimeters cubed as our estimate there. Um, so now Coliseum. Wolfram Alpha will not tell us the volume of the Coliseum. It doesn't know. All it knows about the Coliseum is that it's 157 feet tall. It doesn't even know how, how big it is, like how big the ellipse is. So I had to go to Google to get the rest of the information. And as is the rule that I followed in the past, once I leave Wolfram Alpha to go to Google to look something up, I basically just take the first thing that pops up that looks somewhat reasonable <laughs> and just assume it's true. So, um, the numbers I found is that we know it's an ellipse. Um, it's major and minor axes are 190 meters by 155 meters. So, if you take that, Plug it into an ellipse calculator. It's going to tell you that it's uh, 23,130 meters squared, roughly speaking. Um, 
And we know it's 157 feet tall. That comes out to a little over 47 meters. I leave the fractions to the calculator because that all happens in the computer. Um, but there is another, there's now there's another question. So the Coliseum was built in the 70 to 80, 70 to 80 AD by Titus Flavius Vespasian, part of the uh, Flavian uh, dynasty. Okay? As everyone knows. Right. So um, Vespasian actually died in 79, replaced by his son Titus, who finished the Coliseum. Man, never got to see the Titus Coliseum. Titus Andromedon? Yes. Oh. Window! <laughs> um, <laughs> so. He never actually got to see it finished. His son finished it. Well, his first, uh, his first son to succeed as uh, emperor finished it. Um, but Titus only lived a year or two. And Domitian came in after him, who was also, um, who was also Vespasian's son. Domitian came in and added um, what's called the hypogeum underground. So under the floor of the Colosseum is two levels of basement that they use to store, I don't know, the lions and tigers and Christians, oh my, um, <laughs> and bring them up through lifts throughout. But some of the hypogeum is actually above grade. It's not, you know, a basement dug into the ground, all of it, because the floor of the Colosseum is actually elevated a bit. So, so it's the Magic Kingdom. Yes. It's like how the Magic Kingdom, you're walking on the roof of, uh, of the uh, Utilidor system. Yeah. I'm not clear how much, if all, of the 157 feet height actually includes the hypogeum. Um, and I couldn't find anything really quickly on Google, so I just said, you know what? We're dealing with 157 feet. We're just stopping there. Um, what that gives us is we take, that, we take the ellipse area, we multiply it by the height, because that's your cylinder formula for volume, and that gives us, I don't know, this really big number, 1,106,853-ish meters cubed. So a little over a million meters cubed in volume. We know it's six centimeters uh, cubed for each brick. So, you know, centimeters to meters, 100 times 100 times 100, because it's now cubic. Yeah, really big. It turns out that I guessed, what, a billion? You guessed 2.1 billion. Right. Um. Figuring we were in the ballpark because we'd done our estimates. Now, I said the, uh, the major axis is 190 meters, 100 yards, roughly 100 meters. We weren't really bad. You said an extra 50 yards on either side. You were basically spot on with the length of it. It's pretty much as long as we thought it was. It's about as wide as we thought it was, 155 meters. Um, so basically just our math was bad. Our math was bad because <laughs> it's 190 billion um, two by four Lego bricks it would take to fill the volume of the. Uh, of the Coliseum. You said one. I said 2.1. It's 190 billion. We're off by two orders of magnitude. We are so Lord. far off. I don't know how I haven't wandered into traffic. We at can't this point. multiply by 10 is the, uh, is the thing we've learned today. <laughs> so for those listening at home, we can't multiply by 10. So that is our weakness. Hey, well, listen, if you, if you think you're smarter than us and you probably are just when, when, when these come out, go ahead and shoot us your guesses. Yeah. We'll see how close you are. You know what? If you're, if you're closest, We'll give you a shout out. You know what? This, um, this, this one hurt. This one hurt. I think I want to take a break for a week on these. This one didn't hurt. I won. <laughs> I mean, it's like the world's weakest victory, but still. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I can do this again next week. That's a, we may have to take a, take a, take a week off of this. So, but we are going to uh, take suggestions. How yeah. much of a thing well, would fit great. into a thing or how far is it from a thing to a thing with a bunch of things in the middle? Yes. Yeah, go ahead. You tell it. Yeah, exactly. You tell us. Um, what you want to hear next, 
we want to know what you want to hear next. So we'll take a break for a week. So it gives you time to bring those in. We'll introduce it next week and then we'll work on it. Everybody can take their guesses. We'll start again the week after. Sounds perfect. Oh, that'll give me time to um, lick my wounds. I mean, well, it gives me two weeks to just be excited about my victory. <laughs> I'm taking two weeks worth of victory laps. Nice. You know what? Can't nobody hold me down. <laughs> oh, no. I got to keep on guessing. Nice. All right. All right. <laughs> I got oh. a clicky clack keyboard. I don't give a shit. Yeah, you have <laughs> none left to give at this point. <laughs> I was not judicious. <laughs> In your dispensation. <laughs> That is not what I was looking for. Oh, you were looking for the next thing. I was. Um, so I, I told, uh, I told my phone to open, uh, open the link in Firefox and it tried to copy paste the URL. And I said, that's fine. Do that. I don't care. Just get me there. And it copy pasted, um, the YouTube link to everybody to the limit by strong bad, you know, also known <laughs> as for gods, which is not what so I was my, looking for. It's great, and I strongly recommend it, but not what I was looking for. So can I tell you, I accidentally almost just deleted that. That would have been bad. We're working in Trello and, mm-hmm. and to organize things, and I almost just delete, deleted the link trying to, to open it up. But since you're talking about uh, Homestar Runner and St- Strombad, oh, I'm going to throw this out real quick. Right. So my nine-year-old, we've, uh, we've, we've shown him a Homestar Runner. He's, uh, he's obsessed with Strombad's emails. Um, hope it's for my feet, man. <laughs> uh, and of course you famously were featured on there. The, you sent in a question early on, I think like number 34 or maybe earlier than that. <sighs> I think it was a little later. I um, think it was in like the low fifties, but it was early. So, I mean, there's, yeah, it was early hundreds. on loosened, loosen in a, uh, a question, uh, uh, whether or not uh, Strongbad does his own stunts. Yes. Uh, and I believe that that led him to show clips from Dangeresque. Yes. Uh, stunt double. No way, Lucy. <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to jump. Um, anyway, I say that to say this, and I haven't even talked to you about this off my get. So everybody gets to be part of this. Is they updated their homepage for the first time in 10 years. Yes. Did you hear about this? Yeah. It made me so happy. Email. It made me so happy. I've been going on a deep dive back through them. But yeah, I, I saw somebody else post. They're like, oh, they updated their, their homepage. I was like, oh, thank God. That's awesome. I'm glad to know they're still doing Just stuff. Just been waiting for 15 years. Um. That said, yes. speaking of updates and getting things updated, uh, Lou, what happened with that uh, Civil War widow that, that we were talking about? The, we, I can't remember when. It was a while ago. Uh, but we previously discussed a Civil War widow, the last surviving Civil War widow, just recently passed away, um, early January of 2021. And I know what you're thinking is, Civil War widow passed away in January 2021. Well, we were doing the math at the time to try to figure out how it could overlap. We're like, well, you know, Civil War, you know, veteran was really old and he married a really young girl, which would have happened. <laughs> um, what we found out um, was Helen Viola Jackson, because uh, now we have more details. It was kind of like a new thing at the time or relatively undiscovered and people weren't talking too much about it. Uh, Helen Viola Jackson. Married in 1936 to James Bolin. He was 93 and in declining health, and she was a 17-year-old schoolgirl. That is when they got married. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. And one of the reasons that it just wasn't known until a few years ago, and then we picked up on it, uh, was nobody talked about it. She didn't talk about it. Um, He didn't live long after that. I'm trying to find some of that information, but oh, here we go. They wed on September 4th, 1936 at his home. 
married for three years. Um, she said there was no intimacy and she never lived with him. <laughs> she never told her parents, her siblings, or anyone else about the wedding. She never remarried, spending decades harboring the secret that had to be eating her alive. At Boland died in 1939. She did not seek his pension, um, which she was entitled to. And she broke it to um, in, oh, she broke it to the pastor at her church um, in December 2017. And that's why it was recent news that could come out and we picked up on it was because if someone had mentioned that, in, I don't know, the eighties, nineties, two thousands, it would have been long lost to us. We never would have stumbled across it, but it didn't get unsurfaced until 2017. She kept his family Bible. She had his family Bible and could, they could corroborate everything. It was crazy. Well, I have to say this, it is crazy. And obviously let's, let's not go without saying is, yeah, that's weird. Uh, a 93 year old and a 17 year old. And I get that maybe their reasons were not, you know, like sexual or anything like that. No, Let right. me say this though. Yes. That's probably the, it's gotta be the, the widest age discrepancy I've ever heard of between, you know, people getting married. Yeah. I, people marry for all sorts of reasons and they're, and they were kind of, I guess, served whatever needs they, they served for each other. Here's what I'm going to say though, is at a, at a certain age of disparity, it, does it really matter anymore? And like, and feel yeah. free to, to yell at me and be like, Ben, you're a dumbass. Uh, Cause I am. But uh, at a certain disparity, when people are like, oh, well, you know, he's 40 and she's 25. It's like, uh, okay. All right. It's like, well, he's 45 and she's 22. It's like, Ooh, okay. Well, he's 50 and she's 19. It's like, Ooh, like we've heard stories of this kind of stuff happening before at a certain point. I don't think it matters if you're spread by, you know, a lot of years or a, almost a hundred <laughs> as they are here at a certain point. It's like, okay, I mean, whatever, do, do what you want to do. Be, but yeah, at, at that point you can't, it's if you have, you know, this, uh, this college guy flirting with, you know, uh, a, a sophomore or a junior in high school, that's just, it's creepy. And you're just going to instantly code that as creepy because there can't be like any, any reason for that other than it's creepy. But when you have someone who's, who's 93 and someone who's 17 and, you know, is a friend of the family and she's, I guess, coming over and cooking dinner for him, things like that. Cause the guy can't even move around. There's more to this story that we're not hearing. This isn't, I mean, it could be an old dude creeping on a young girl and then that's, you know, it's creepy, but something is going on here. Um, there's more to the story underneath and it's, um, we, you need to have more context to, to understand what's going on because there's this quote at the end of the article in this update that brought, that got me to bring this up. Um, when her pastor was talking to him about the whole thing, they went through, you know, family Bible, they went through a bunch of other stuff. And she, she had a picture of, of him, of uh, Bolin. And um, the pastor said, uh, his words, she broke down and cried. She kept touching the frame and said, this is the only man who ever loved me. All right. Um, Did that break? Nope. All good. Um, okay, good. Cat just knocked something yep. over. So, Not mine, his. Mine, yeah. She, um, <laughs> Not that it matters. My cat knocked something of his over. Um, yeah. But she kept, she kept touching the frame and saying, this is the only man who ever loved me. And, you know, you might say, well, there is some, maybe there's something abusive, something else going on there, but she never remarried. And apparently like reading through, again, this article is very brief. There's no context here, but she never said 
that there was anything untoward. And she never said that, you know, she didn't remarry because, um, she said it, it seemed shameful that she was young when she got married. And that was a problem. But also in 1930s, 1940s, if you were, if you were married and you got remarried, that was, that was a thing. Um, well, and especially in the church, like you don't get remarried, you're done. Right. Notoriously. Like I, I, I try to be as, as not judgmental as possible. Uh, and so in something like this, what comes to my mind is when people say like, people like will joke at an older guy marrying a younger girl uh, or just an older person marrying a younger person be like, Oh, well they're marrying the younger person because they're hot. And it's like, Oh, it's arm candy and things like that. And people just laugh and go along with their life and, and that becomes okay. But then somebody would probably look at this and go, well, that's, that's a, that's a bridge too far. And I'm like, is it? It's kind of the same thing. It's like, all right, you, people have all different reasons for marrying. So whatever theirs are fine on them. And, and it's, I was going to ask you, it's crazy that she didn't remarry and that she obviously had right. that deep of a, a tie to this person. Are, is there, are there more things there? Is there more baggage possibly, yeah. but who am I to judge? And I, I wish, I wish she had felt comfortable to discuss it earlier because this is, this is a fascinating touchstone to say, Yes, this is an extreme case, obviously, but a widow of a of someone who fought in the Civil War just recently died, and it was, you know, it's a long time ago, but not that long, apparently. Like, it's long enough that the generations can, we have someone who, you know, spoke to a survivor of the Civil War and had his stories up until January of this year, firsthand, not related through the family. Like, again, this is kind of extreme for a marriage, maybe, but this is someone who had words with a Civil War survivor over the, she got married at 17, they were married for three years, up to 20 years of her life. You know, they didn't just meet at 17. They were, it was a family friend, knew her through her teenage years, had discussed the war with him. And was a, you know, had a firsthand recounting of a Civil War soldier's story. That's, it wasn't that long ago. Right. Like, it wasn't that long ago. And then that's a, that's, that's a firsthand bridge that, that we will no longer have. Um, that information is fascinating. Now, here's some information I want to, to share with you. Did you like that transition? That was terrible. <laughs> I, that was really putting a square peg in a, into a we'll, round we'll, hole. We'll workshop it. <laughs> It wasn't even a round hole. There was no hole. And I'm just like, you know what? It's going to happen. Um, that sounded worse than it was. Um, death by information overload. Yes. So there's an article that I came across in the Har Harvard Business Review because occasionally I read smart people things and I see how many of the words I understand. <laughs> um, and it was this I read really, it really intriguing. I read it at this many grade level. <laughs> uh, that's the wrong finger. Um, so... It, it, the whole article is just about information overload, about how we are constantly inundated with, you know, push notifications and RSS feeds and, and pushes to our phones. And, yes. you know, Facebook is, is half uh, not news, but people try to purport it to be some sort of news uh, and all the different choices of news outlets. And I actually still get a paper on Sundays. Um, nice. I get the time sent to me on, on Sundays. Um, but anyway, I say all that to say this, which is, the whole article is about like all the information you get through emails and everything uh -huh. else and how you're overloaded with that. And so much stuff comes through that it becomes white noise. Did you know that on average, when somebody like breaks from doing something work oriented, mm -hmm. and this is important with every, so many people working from home now is when you're on your computer, whether at work or at home, but particularly at home, 
when you break from what you're doing, it takes on average 24 minutes for people to get back to actually working on something. Yeah. So I had like heard a slightly lower number, like in the teens, but yeah, it was something like, yeah. Uh-huh. So when you're, well, this is, this, this was a couple of years ago, so it may have, it may no, have changed. I, think, but my, I then, think mine is like super old. So this is probably a more okay. accurate. So think about that. Like you're, you're typing in your computer, you've got like so much information, all this stuff's going on. You're like, oh man, I just need to, I just need to check East Bay for some shoes or right. something. I don't know. I'm dating myself. <laughs> Uh, or I just need to go to Facebook. I just need to do something right. else. And you do that. And on average, it takes a, almost half an hour, uh, between half an hour, or a quarter an hour and half an hour to actually get back on, on subject for what you're going to be doing. So what I found interesting in this whole article that was a lot of analytics and whatnot, what I found interesting was this one little line towards the very end. And they were like, interestingly, the higher priority you put on an email, the less likely the individual is to open oh, it. Oh, yeah. I could have told Con- you that. Converse, conversely, there's still, I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever used it. I know for a fact in my old email server, I sent 16,000 emails. Because <laughs> I, 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 I kept a running count of everything. Like we talked about before, I don't, I don't throw anything right. away. So I had everything filed somewhere. Um, I had 16,000 uh, emails on that old email server and whatever I've accumulated in the last year, which Google has already sent me an email going, you know, you filled up half of your space <laughs> in, in your Google cloud. And I'm like, well, but they're like, they're word, they're, they're not, it's not, I'm not sending movies to other people. I'm not sending like a, you know, a lossless movie file to somebody. Like these are just emails. <laughs> Toy Story How could I possibly fill MP4. that up? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not sending wave files. So anyway, I say that to say this is that I, I keep all this stuff. You get that, that overload. I have not once in my life ever done the low priority click, I've like never the down arrow that like, says yeah, low I've priority. So here's what they found I've out. Honestly, I've honestly high, never set a priority at all. Yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. But I know a lot of times people will, even if not setting a priority, they'll put in the, the subject line either something that is forceful. Oh, uh-huh. All caps uh, subject. Or like all yeah. caps. Yep. Um, or they'll say something like it'll be like clickbait, basically. They're like, you won't believe this. Or, uh-huh. like, or like, you know, the, the, this needs to be open in the next five minutes. Like just junk like that. So with the totally underused arrow down low priority, which is obviously intended to convey, ah, eh, don't worry right. about it. Get to it when you can. That gets opened immediately. Huh. And the high priority stuff, like some like it has like a 30% do not open rate. Like just doesn't even get opened on the high priority you know, stuff. But if you go, but if because it's so curious to people why right. something would be low priority that you're like, well, it was high enough priority that you sent it to me. But you don't care when I get back that to you? That was exactly... Well, I gotta know what this that's is. exactly what I was thinking was, <laughs> I want to meet the person who actually set this low priority. Like, I know the people who set them high priority. They're middle managers. Like, I, I know them. <laughs> and nothing could be... Nothing, like, I can tell you from experience that if someone marks an email high priority, it's not. It's, it's not. not. 100% Because not. if the content is There's important... They're calling you on the phone or they're coming by your office or they're doing something else to reach out to you anyway. Um, there's absolutely nothing important in that email that you're not going to get harassed about in three other formats. Like there's no point. And if you take the I've time, gotten, and this is not, if you take the time to open and read the is, email, especially back in the days of office phone, where you had a, like a phone on your desk with a phone number, right? If you actually take the time to read the email before you finish, that phone's ringing anyway. Did you get my email? Did you read my email? Here's what's in the email. Why did I bother reading the email? Like there's no point. Right. I, I don't, I have actually, and this, I've gone complete 180 on this because I used to be very passive and would only send emails. 
and I never want to pick up the call, the, the phone and call somebody. But if it's something, either email or text, that's going to be more than like three lines of back and mm-hmm. forth, I will just like text somebody to be like, is now a good time to give you a call? Right. You know, or can I call you at noon and actually call them and be like, I, I would rather take five minutes to get that knocked out on a phone call than I would sit here going back and forth. And maybe I email you and maybe you email me back, but then maybe I have to go do something. And then I send one back to you and then maybe you have to do something. And that ends up taking like four yeah. hours. And there's no need for it if, if, there's, if there's a priority to get it done. I've now gotten to where like, I just pick up the damn phone and, and call yeah. somebody. But now that being said, if I ever received an email <laughs> that said low priority, that shit's getting opened up immediately. Because I got to be like, what psychopath is sending me this? Yeah. And that's, I, with, with something that has, uh, that requires higher bandwidth, it's going to have a, that's a conversation. Email's not good for conversation. Or if it's something that requires urgency, unless it's at an organization that values emails and responding to them immediately, uh, if there's some kind of exigency, there are better paths for that. Um, anything that's anything that I, it seems to me that anything that you would mark as high priority in email probably shouldn't be sent by email anyway. Right. And, and I'm not going to lean into, I really have gotten to where I dislike when people are like, somebody's being a Karen about a thing. Because uh, first off, there's nice Karens, um, the, the people, not the colloquial uh, caricature gotcha, that right. we've made of it. But that said is you absolutely know the type of person that is putting an exclamation <laughs> point on every single email that they're sending. They're like, this is high importance. This is high importance. And it's like all this reflects back on is you think it's high importance because you think anything you have to say is of high importance, well, right. which like, which likely means I'm going to sigh. And I'm going to be probably that much slower to get back to you because, because you seem to think that every damn email is high importance. I'm like, no, some of us, but, not. That's, but that also gets, comes back to the idea of if you go off to, you know, you go off to look for shoes on eBay or whatever. Um, you're on Friendster. Um, if it's distracting you for 25 minutes on average, right? 24 minutes. I think you said, uh, if it takes you that long to get back into the state and that's, um, the state of being able to like work smoothly and just be in the zone in the zone is a thing. It's also called flow. So if it takes you that long to get back into that, like prime state of working, then interruptions are bad. And if somebody always has high important emails, you know, that middle manager who's going to pick up the phone and light you up and interrupt you with something important, that's high importance. It better be high importance because if you interrupt somebody for this high important email, or this high important thing that you have to convey to them that you're going to send in 12 different channels. You've now taken them out of flow, out of the zone for 24 minutes for them to, on average, for them to get back into it. If everything you do is high importance, you are constantly disrupting these people's, you know, coworkers, peers, whoever they are, you're constantly disrupting their workflow and you're constantly reducing their efficiency at getting things done. Um, so it has real world right, consequences. And that seems to apply whether or not people are working remotely or working uh, in an office setting, because I know before all of this, all of uh, the COVID situation started is a lot of people were like, oh man, productivity is going to go way down because people are going to be working from home. (laughs) And which, you know, you're laughing because you've like, that's been a stipulation of your work for years is like, I have to work from home. Although you do commute upstairs, but, uh, but because you've created a space for yourself, but you do still work from home. And I, I found it so funny when that idea was first brought up where people were like, well, now that so many people are going to be working from home, 
their productivity is going to be less. I'm like, well, why would their productivity be productivity be less? And they're like, well, because they don't have somebody standing over them to make sure that they're doing uh-huh. the work all the time. And I'm like, guess what? If you think that's what somebody has to have to actually be productive, then the second whatever middle manager you're talking about has walked away from that person's cubicle, they are now mm-hmm. taking 24 minutes to go look at eBay. And, and then they're going to get back in their workflow for a few minutes and they're, they're going to go to yep. eBay. So all that's going to show you is that when they're working remotely and then you can see what they're doing through like the VM that they're using or anything sure. like that is guess what? If they weren't, if they had to have that oversight when they were working in the office, they're a bad employee. Yeah. Like it's just going to show you more that they are not that, that kind of employee that you wanted yeah. anyway. I mean, you can't, you can't stand over everyone. Um, so you have to make your rounds anyway. So this concept of uh, what we called S and chair management, where, um, you're judged by whether or not you're sitting in your chair at work. Um, so are you there on time? Do you leave at the appropriate time? Uh, how much time do you spend at the water cooler? Is your ass in your chair or is it not? That is uh, one. It's hard to scale. It's easier if you're doing it all virtually because you can watch a bunch of VMs or whatever. If your company uses them, a lot of companies, you know, may not give that kind of insight to middle managers, but it's, it, that's kind of easier to do virtually. Um, than it is to say, walk around the office and go to all your direct reports and like stand over them. But you also have the problem of not only is it a bad metric to say, well, I'm standing over here. You're doing the work now. And I left, you know, what happens when I'm gone? There's also the question of, and I've had this discussion with, uh, with former bosses who have taken to the S and chair style management where I've said, what is my job? What have you hired me to do? What am I doing right now? And I'll have three or four terminals on the screen and code is just flying by numbers, information's flying by. It kind of looks like the matrix. And it's like, am I working now? Well, yeah, things are scrolling. How do you know that's not a screensaver? Like, how do you know this is actually something that's being done? While you're compiling? Or like maybe, maybe (laughs) I'm watching some logs. Maybe I'm watching some login logs to do some manual work to build some system. You know, I'm going to put some filters on something so we can catch something we're looking for. But if it's an active system, those logs are just flowing by they're flying by it looks like a lot of stuff is happening because a lot of stuff is happening but i'm not doing anything so i can make it look like i'm working just by using the work that's going on if you're a manager and i don't expect my manager to know all of the work down to the level of expertise that all of their you know subordinates know it to that's the reason you hire specialties that's the reason when you hire people who can do xyz is because they're good at it and now they are their responsibility is to roll up that information and give you a report at the level that you can that's accessible to you so that you in turn as a manager can then go to whoever you report to and roll up all those reports in verbiage that's accessible to that person it's not about being the expert so i don't expect my manager necessarily depending on the job you know maybe i maybe they do but i don't necessarily expect my manager to be able to come in and understand what it is i'm doing uh, I don't think less of them, they don't necessarily, depending on what the position is, right? Like maybe that's not their job. But if my responsibility is to give that information to them, then there's um, a level of trust that has to come back where they say, I trust you to be doing your work and to tell me what's important. And the essence your management style just doesn't support that. Right. And a lot of times what you fall into and, and then it's I'll move been, on because I know this is endless. a little bit like. This is the, this is a little, this is a little bit work related. Mm-hmm. I like what you did there. I'm going to use that. I'm going to let okay. you use that. It's like, is, uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask yes. you to use that. It's like, is, um, likewise to your point is that a lot of managers, uh, or even like CEOs, C-suite right. executives 
have this idea of like, you need to be in your seat working from eight to five or eight to six or whatever it is that you're doing. Sometimes you can get nine hours worth of work done in four hours because you're good at what you do. So you're supposed to just sit there for the rest of the time. <laughs> like go find something else to like, like good managers will be like, go find something else to work on. Find a passion right. project. Um, and then sometimes two hours worth of work, take you 14 hours and you just can't get through something that should be simple and you can't figure out why I totally get that. There should be flexibility in these things, but this idea of like, you got to be here from this time to this time and you got to do it this exact way. It's like, did you hire somebody to do a job or did you hire somebody to hold down this terminal for this amount of time? Right. Right. Uh, are you, are you, you're paying me for a 40 hour work week which is a joke these days. You know, salaried positions never stop there, but you're paying me for a 40 hour work week. Are you more concerned that I'm working 40 hours or are you more concerned in the value I'm giving to the company? What am I actually delivering? And these are, they can be correlated, but they are definitely different things. Right. And the value you get right. is so definitely were, lower if you keep interrupting me. <laughs> uh, so I won't interrupt you, but you were saying you, you were saying you felt the, the whole, whole thing, thing was it's crazy. Bananas. Were it's you- absolutely bananas. So speaking of bananas, <laughs> high five Woo. on the, on the segue. That was, that was a tag team. <laughs> that's, that's you off the top rope. And I'm just watching. Um, I learned dropping bows, <laughs> dropping bows. I learned something today and I believe my mind okay. is broken. I found out that bananas are a what? berry. And I found out that strawberries are not berries. What are they? Well, they got seeds, so they're a fruit. Uh, well, okay. So <laughs> tell me they're a nut. Like, tell me they're a nut. Le- actually, actually, some of the nuts fall into these same categories. <laughs> Strawberries as well. are a legume. So, so, so here's <laughs> so here's the thing: is uh, despite its name, a, a strawberry is not a strawberry. Raspberry is not a, a, a berry. A blackberry is not a berry. Um, blueberries are berries. Um, oh, and I'll so come back. Strawberries and blackberries um, are not berries, but blueberries are. Uh, a, a, a banana is a berry. Uh, eggplants are berries. Walnuts are actually a cow. <laughs> technically beef. It is the weird. So it's the weirdest thing. So here's the deal is this is so backwards. When we came up with the name, this is, this is the way it was explained through these several articles <laughs> so, that I've been okay. going through because my mind right. won't work is when they came up with the name berry. It was before scientists had actually come up with a designation for what a berry oh, is. Okay. So, so like everyone just goes, these things are berries. And then, and then scientists are like, cool. So a berry is, is, is this and this, and it's from the ovum of the, the plant. Okay. And then it's one ovum and one stem. And like, like, here's how it works and all that. And they're like, cool. So now what's a berry? And they're like, well, strawberries and blackberries and raspberries, none of those are berries. They're all, they're, they're all different. So, uh, okay. (laughs) This is going to be a little bit of science. So, uh, to be a berry, berry. it has to have three distinct parts and that, and that's based on now, or is that based on what we thought before berries based on now, based on before people were like, can I chew it up? Is it juicy? It's okay. Um, (laughs) so now, uh, so if it has an exocarp, an outer skin a mesocarp, a fleshy middle, and an endocarp, the innermost, like, you know, like holds the seeds and stuff like that. Okay. That makes, that makes it a berry. So for instance, like a grape's outer skin would be the exocarp. The, the fleshy middle would be the mesocarp and, and the jelly like inside the, that right. holds the seed would be the, the endocarp. Okay. Would follow that. Cause it has, yeah. Okay. 
eggplant follows it, uh, banana follows it, like all all this sort of thing. Um, but a blueberry be just a has berry, fresh and the seed. Well, yeah. So to okay. be a berry, the fruits must develop from one flower that has one ovary. Huh. Uh, so, so like such as blueberries have flowers with just one ovary. So a blueberry does count as a berry. Blackberries don't. Raspberries don't. Strawberries don't. Blueberries, blueberries do. do. But they have. But they, so, do they have an outer fleshy layer? Do they have that exocarp? Oh, okay. Right. I, I it, guess I just never noticed. Yes. I'm not a big blueberry. Think of a grape. Either. Think of a blue. Think of a grape. Think of a blueberry. They both have kind of the okay. same. Yeah, makeup. I'm not a big blueberry fan, um, so I guess there's no. You know what else has the same makeup? And this is gonna. Whew, some people are gonna be yelling. Based on this, tomatoes. <laughs> tomatoes have the same makeup, which would make a tomato a berry. It also makes cranberries a berry, so you know, similar to the grapes and all that kind of stuff. Eggplants, like right. we were talking about, and peppers. Well, so yeah, peppers. If a tomato is, then a pepper would be. So, so talking from a, a from a from a was it botany? Yeah. <laughs> talking from a plant perspective, more like um, <laughs> it, peppers would actually be. Which means oh, no. to bring this back oh, no. full circle, uh-huh. when you have a banana, you were having a berry, and when you have a strawberry, you're having a different <sighs> thing. Uh, it's 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 a different. It, it's there's different types of of berries. So I don't want people to be like, well, it's still a berry. Yes, it, but it's it's a different designation of fruit. Okay. Specifically to be a berry, a strawberry is not a berry, a raspberry is not a berry, a blackberry is not a berry, a grape's a berry, a pepper's a berry, a banana's a berry, but all those other things with berry in the name, okay, not a berry. So since you've pissed me off for today, <laughs> I, I would actually like to return the favor. Okay, yeah, go This ahead. is a bit dated now because we're now in the end of January. But, um, January 1st, 2021, new year, turning over a new leaf. Everybody's, you know, uh, maybe trepidatious, but excited. What week number is that? We've talked about week numbers in the past. What week number does January 1st fall into? I mean, it's, it's. It's a new year. It's a new day. I'm not Michael Bublé. Um, one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's the first week of Be- the year. What? What? What kind of psychopath lunacy are you talking about? It's it, it, it is a trick question. What, uh, what? There's no other answer, Lewis. It, it is a trick question. Um, if you live in the U.S., Canada, South Central America, Japan, then Sunday is the first day of the week. Weeks containing January 1st are the first week of that year. Okay. However, the International Standards Organization disagrees with you. Yeah, okay. For the International Standards Organization, which is basically most of the European countries um, and United Kingdom, we'll specify that now as Brexit. Um, for ISO, Monday is the first day of the week, not Sunday. Okay, no big deal, because, you know, January 1st doesn't really matter if it's Sunday or Monday is the first day of the week, right? However, for ISO, the week, remember, Monday is the first day of the week. The week containing January 4th is the first week of that year. <laughs> what? So, 
So you're te- you're, you're telling me 2020 was not just the shittiest week week the shittiest decade right. we've ever had. Um but that it was but it lasted 53 it weeks. It lasted 53 weeks according to ISA. It just keeps going and so, going and going. Uh, maybe, maybe the question is why January fourth? Yeah, that I was, I was going to throw that out there, but I assumed that there was again flaunting right. my ignorance. I assumed that there was some sort of logical reason that I just was missing, and I was just going to gloss on by. But now that we're here, Lou, why? There's, there's actually a reason. Um, January fourth. If you have January fourth in the week, then that means that you have four of seven days. More than half the week is there. Mm. So if more than half the week is not in 2021, it's still the 53rd week of 2020, according to ISO, but not according to the U.S. Now, you might say, that's ridiculous. Why are there two ways of counting the weeks, right? Because we've had so many calendar problems. Well, I have good news and bad news. This is 1999 all over The good news is, is (laughs) it's a millennium issue. Y2K. The good news is there's not two ways of numbering weeks. The bad news is, depending on where you are in the world, there are one, two, three, four, five, six different ways of numbering the weeks. Monday is the first day of the week, and the week containing January 1st is the first week of that year. Wednesday is the first day of the week. Week containing January 1st is the first week of that year. That's Hungary. Saturday. Wednesday. Wednesday. Let's not brush past that. Hungry is like yep. Wednesday. Wednesday is day one. Wednesday seems like a good time. Did they just get really, really like, did they have a crazy Sunday fun day and they were just drunk for I like think two so days because- and they were like, all right, everybody's got to go. We've been hungover for 24 or 48 hours. Let's go back to work and just call it Wednesday. Wednesday we start I don't, on Wednesday. I don't have, um, I don't have information on why. Um, and it looks like basically nothing since windows to, uh, 2000 has actually supported that. So maybe it's gone out of <laughs> vogue. Um, Luckily, I still yeah, run that. There's OS. no explanation um, as to why it's stable, and I'm sticking um, with it. That there are definitely machines with Windows 2000 still running um, relatively important functions, and we won't go any further into I that. I just, re- I just really like the landscape. That was actually a picture, yeah. not like a, a painting. I just um, thought it was pretty. It, it doesn't look like that's really. In, com- in vogue anymore, but I imagine it's kind of like, um, I, I talked to some folks in, uh, in Netherlands one time and, and there's my cats fighting about something. Um, you know, Dutch is the official language of Netherlands. Um, and the right. Dutch, but, and, and they speak it pretty, pretty well there, but there's a lot of English signage and everybody there pretty much in a major city speaks English. So if you go there and you clearly, you know, don't look like you're from around there. Um, they're going to talk to you in English. Um, it's not going to be this kind of thing like where you're in France or like in Paris, let's say, and everyone's going to assume you speak French. And if you don't speak French, they're not going to talk to you. And then you're going to try to use your pigeon French and be like, oh, I speak English. Fine. Your French is horrible. Just talk to me. Um, no, they're just going to come up to you and talk in English. And I asked them why, like, why is it so common here? And why is that kind of the default state assumed for tourists? Well, there's a few million people who speak Dutch in the world, maybe tops. Right. No one speaks Dutch if they're not from here. So we just, you know, we all know English because we have to, to work in the international community and a very practical thing. I think the same thing happened with Wednesday being the first day of the week in Hungary. It's like, sure, you know, maybe on holidays now, but that that's kind of gone by the wayside. 
but it could be also Saturday is the first day of the week and week is January 1st uh, is the first of the week of the year. Sunday is the first day of the week. We continue in January 1st is the first week. Monday is the first day of the week. And of course, with ISO, week containing January 4th, which means January 4th has to be Sunday or earlier. Because January 4th is a Monday, the first week will then be that week. So it really can make a difference. And depending on your localization, um, there were people who had December 31st as 2021 because the programmers used the wrong library <laughs> and didn't account for week numbers. So imagine getting into 2021 a year early. So here's how mad are you now, right? Like, <laughs> that's well, furious. I'm fuming. Um, is, um, so yes. here's my question. Sorry. Yeah. I, yeah. I yeah, yeah. You take, take here's a deep my, breath. No. Yeah. No, my, my mind is broken now. Here's my question along those lines is like, I, we arbitrarily sure. pick all these things. Well, it's all yes. arbitrary, right? I mean, to the, I mean, to the point of like, like it's arbitrary to the extent of, if we stop with, well, when the sun comes up, and the sun goes down. We know that's right. a day. Like that's what we're just making it based on how these celestial, uh, entities fly around and spin around each other in this big spaceship we call earth. That being said, can someone please explain to me why we have some months with 31 days and some months with 30 days <laughs> and then one month we're like, fuck it, 28. Like it's, and except for the other years that are 29, it's like, you can just borrow from one of the 31 right. months to make well, it 29 and, and 30 or two, two, or, in a two row. or two, or you can borrow from two of the 31 months to make it 30 or 31. And then we're all, even all the way around. It drives me nuts beyond the fact that it's, that it's Black History Month. And I'm like, well, that's a shitty thing to be like, let's give you the, the right? shortest month of the, yeah. the year. That absolutely sucks. It's also my birthday month, which if I'm one of those people that celebrates birthday months, which I'm not. Uh, but there are people that are like, it's my birthday month. I'm going to celebrate every day yeah, with pine ice cream. And I'm like, well, well, probably the rest of the year, too. That's fine. No worries. You do you. But, it's absolutely. But February, why, but why is February got 28? Is there a, do we have any idea why there's a logical reason to have 28 days in that one and have 31 days in several well, other we months? Know, we know why. Are the other months just greedy? We know why. I wouldn't say it's logical, but like it, there's, there's books, entire books, and I own one of them. It's it title is oh, calendar. No, well, currently I own it oh, because yeah, yeah, yeah. you gave it to me and I haven't given yeah, it back like, to you yet. There are whole books written on us because th we definitely know why. I wouldn't call it logical, but we definitely know why. Um. And it's, it's nuts, right? Because, okay, February has 28 days, but July and August each have 31. Two 31s right next to each other. So why would you have two 31s right next to each other? Also, why the summer months? If it were me, I would make July and August each 15 days, give all those extra days to February when it's a reasonable temperature in Georgia. Then we get more better, we get better we, weather. But, yeah, but the, the, as the Georgian, so you as a New Yorker, yeah might feel that way. Me as the resident Georgian would say the opposite and go, but then we get more days of summer. Also, the sun doesn't look at the calendar. All I'm saying is we could probably fix global warming by just shifting around the months a bit. That's just, that's an interesting theory. And I think that we should maybe table that. I for don't know. I'm time. just saying, if you have more days in the average colder months, wouldn't the average then trend colder? I hear what you're saying. <laughs> I recognize that you're saying it. And I also recognize that the next thing on the trailer board is the outro. So please, God. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Maybe I've been wrong enough for this episode. <laughs> so with that, before I stick my foot any further down my throat, I'm going to say this has been General Geekery specifically. It's a podcast. I've been, I've been Ben. 
And we have been wrong enough, except for Ben. I won! I won landfill! And was right. Bye, all. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Like it's a dial on your podcast app. Thanks for walking to your radio and tuning in. Is over that to the us. same as a single sideband? <laughs> this has been a Broken Toys Studio production. <laughs> Start good. Oh, this yep. has been fun. Uh, good luck yeah. editing that. That'll be fun. <laughs>